Alright. Okay, let's start with one obvious thing. It's been whole week since the last AW Dynamite review, and I am truly sorry. I know that some of you people actually wanted to see me react and express my opinion about the show, and especially about one segment in particular. And I'm truly sorry that I've been a lazy asshole who decided to review football instead of wrestling. I promise you the next AW Dynamite review will come out as soon as I possibly can. So without further ado, let's start AW Dynamite review slash my opinion. And it's been one of the most divisive episodes of Dynamite, maybe in whole history of Dynamites. And mostly due to one segment. One segment only. And uh, I thought it was an incredible episode of AEW Dynamite. With great fighting, with great promo, and some storylines development. So what else can you ask from this Dynamite episode? Well, how about a whole damn musical uh-huh well let's not jump ahead and start with the first match of the night wardlow versus jungle boy and a lot of people me included were very excited for this match because well you have two very good even great wrestlers who are able to perform at the very top of the game and have already proved that they are capable of doing some incredible work in AW. Jungle Boy with his multiple feuds, you know, especially one with MJF, and Wordle with his match against Cody and some Dynamite slash Dark matches. And it was a great 8 minute match, with a simple story over a smaller guy versus a slightly bigger guy. But... This one didn't win especially as a lot of people thought it will. Because a lot of people thought that, you know, Jungle Boy is more established. And he will have some more offense time. Or at the very least, he will have some fiery combat moves. And it will last at least a couple of minutes. Well, in reality, it was about two minutes in total. It all started with clear dominance of Wordlow. And some brain work from Jungle Boy. Because he realized that he cannot go one-on-one, face-to-face with Warlow and expect to win physically. So he decided to use his speed. And it worked uh, for about 10 seconds. And after this, Warlow completely dominated Jungle Boy. It all happened in about 2 minutes. Because, yeah, I a little bit over-exaggerated by saying 10 seconds. But... In reality, it was about a minute and a half of fast-paced attacks by Jungle Boy, escaping some moves from Wardlow, going outside, trying to perform some uh, kicks, and then high-risk maneuver, uh, Hurricane Runner probably from a top rope, that didn't end particularly well for him because Wardlow caught him powerbomb right into the ring post, and after that, Jungle Boy had no momentum. 
suplex after suplex, move after move from Wardlow. And it all went for a couple of minutes with one hope for Jungle Boy that immediately got put in down by Wardlow. And Wardlow decided to go for his second finisher, it seems like. Uh, the knee from a top rope. And Jungle Boy fighted for his dear life, trying to escape this fucking knee. And he did it. He did it well. Then he performed a drop kick from a top of the rope onto a back of Wardlow. And after that, he had a little bit of a momentum once again. He finally was able to perform some moves that he wanted to do originally, like top rope Hurricane Rana or a suicide dive. But it all lasted for about a minute, and then once again Wardlow suplexed to the outside, F10 from the outside to the ring, and another F10 now on the ring with incredible sell from Jungle Boy. One, two, three, Wardlow, for some people actually shockingly, goes further down in the tournament. And I bloody loved this match. But after this we had one of the best thing on AW Dynamite. Three promos nearly in a row by John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. First of all, we had a promo from Eddie Kingston from previous Dynamite, but when the Dynamite went off the air. And it was basically the same thing we already heard, but in a little bit different way. You know, Eddie Kingston once again said that John Moxley promised this Wonderland to all his friends at the back when he will sign with WWE, well, with the entertainers. But when he did, he immediately forgot, forgot about every single one of them and started traveling around the world, grabbing millions and millions of dollars and finding himself a hottest wife. But never once did he thought about his friends. And that's why Eddie Kingston will make him quit professional wrestling. Great stuff. How can you top that? Hmm. How about John Moxley cutting his own promo saying that Eddie Kingston was his friend. He was always there for him. And John, on the other hand, was always there for Eddie Kingston on his highs and his lows. But what had happened to Eddie Kingston? He turned into the slithery bastard, trying to say that he never quit it. He never tapped out. Well, damn, you didn't, but you were choked out. So you had no right to say that you deserve it. And what John Moxley said? Well, if you so want to get this opportunity, you will have it. You will have a title shot. But you will quit. I demand this match to be an I quit. So you would either quit for good or that you would turn into your previous self and become his old friend once again. Another brilliant promo from John Moxley. And how can you top that? Hmm. How about a great promo from fucking Eddie Kingston? I know. Ludicrous. Third promo. And in this promo, Eddie Kingston, oh, he just cut everything. He said that, yeah, he hates what he become, but it's the only way how he can work. Because when he was a babyface going around and trying to establish other people, he had absolutely nothing. But now, 
when he fights for himself, when he uses some slithery buster tactics, he's getting himself into the main event of a pay-per-view for the world's championship. So what else do you want? He said that he never once quitted in his entire life on anything. And he will for sure will not quit in this match. And to do this, to try and make him quit, John Moxon needs to go to the dark place. But Eddie Kingston is already living in this dark place. Oh, I love that line. And those three promos were fucking incredible. Promo after promo after promo. Just a fucking wonderland for me. It established their match at full gear. It made absolute sense why does John Moxley want, wants to have this match. Why Eddie Kingston wants to have this match. And how far will they go to actually become a champion or to retain for one reason or another. Brilliant stuff. After that we had one of the most talk worthy moments of this dynamite. And it was Kenny Omega vs Sony Kiss. Unfortunately, it was not Joey Janela because he was originally scheduled to be his opponent, but due to him fighting into another in the other promotion where his opponent had actually tested positive for COVID, he needed to be pulled out as well, just for precautions matter. And it was a right move, and we had a Sony Kiss vs Kenny Omega match. And nobody really expected anything from this match. Probably like five minute squash match for Kenny Omega, it doesn't matter whether it be Joey Janela or Sony Kiss. But instead, straight away from this entrance of Kenny Omega, we got something special. It was a little bit adding um, sexy dances, you know, with uh, Bruce swiping the floor. You can say cleaning the floor. Kenny Omega standing in this Titantron area with some sort of a filter on his image, you know, the curtain that uh, is see-through, but you can not see Kenny Omega, but you can see his figure. It looked very dope. And some added music to his original theme song that lasted for about 20 to 30 seconds. And then he came out being cocky as the cleaner. He shaked the hand of Sonic Kiss as of waiting for a great match and showing respect. Just waited around for a couple of seconds. The trigger, one way an angel, one, two, three, pulls off the most meme face of his fucking career. The, the most meme face that he could possibly pull off. And then, after the match, he picks up Sonic Kiss and shakes his hand like it was a... 60 minute classic with Akata or some shit like this, playing more on his delusional side, but also pushing down this heel persona, this cleaner persona running our throats, and I absolutely love it. We're adding something new to the already established cleaner image and already established face Kenny Omega, and this something is his delusionist because. He doesn't understand that he does something wrong. Well, he had a match against Sony Kiss, and I'm just showing my respect. And, you know, like, before that, we had his little heel terms 
all of a sudden, like, attacking Marcus Stunt after the match already, you know, was finished. He doesn't seem, uh, see this as something wrong. He just thinks this is something that he necessarily needs to do just to win the match or to establish himself. And I absolutely love it. After this, we had one of the most, well, let's be honest, the most anticipated thing on this show. Ray Phoenix versus Pentagon Jr. It wasn't unfortunately their best match that they had between each other, but it was damn good. And one of the reasons why this match wasn't as good is because of Ray Phoenix's injury. Unfortunately, it was more serious than any one of us could expect or hope it would be, because let us spoiler, he won his match, but unfortunately he was already pulled off after his next week match versus Kenny Omega. Well, basically tomorrow's match. But don't think that this match was shit or just meh only because of the injury. No, no, no. We had some incredible moves from Ray Phoenix, from Pentagon Jr. So many reversions, so much psychology. Because they are brothers, they know each other so well that every single move that they know of their brother, you know, they can escape from. And we've seen it with so many moves. Sling Blades, uh, even the fucking Ray Phoenix top rope run. What do you know, Panta already escaped it, you know, just, just, just pushing the top rope and making Ray Phoenix fall. And it's just a little thing that I remember from from my mind you know but then it all went to showing of his of their chop skills and bloody hell Panta's chops are fucking deadly they sound so loud but unfortunately for Panta it actually made him a victim of his own uh, of his own illness you know of his own willingness to do chop after chop after chop because once they were on the outside and Phoenix was near the ring post, Panta tried to do his typical chop, but hit the ring post. After that, Phoenix had some of momentum, tried to pull off some moves, and then they went to the top rope. And this is where, after Hurricane Rana, Ray Phoenix unfortunately landed on his head, and it was clear that he wasn't alright. Because for the next 20 to 30 seconds, they decided to pick up a slower pace, didn't do anything crazy, chin lock wrestling, just trying to let Ray Phoenix come back to himself. And then, when you just thought they're gonna finish the match, or if that's a serious injury, from out of nowhere, he super keeps Pentagon, crawls down to cover him 1 2, but no. After that, Ray Phoenix suddenly comes back to normal and continues to fall like nothing happened, even performing a Spanish fly from a top rope for a near fall. And then, you know, Pentagon had some momentum back with a slingshot from a middle rope. I mean, what the fuck is going on? And that's after he, Ray Phoenix was already injured. Like, oh my god. And after he got injured, we already we actually saw one of the most incredible moves I've seen 
in God knows how long. It was a power bomb, like a pop-up power bomb that Kevin Owens does, but it was uh it was a little bit adjusted by Ray Phoenix jumping, making a whole fucking flip, and then Panta just throwing him down at the ring. It was near fucking perfect move. Actually, it was a perfect move. I lost my fucking mind when I saw it. I jumped out of my bed. Just so you understand how cool it was. But at the end, Ray Phoenix picked up a victory after Pentagon became more and more concerned. It was a story of the match after the injury, the legitimate injury, that, that Pentagon played more as a... Big Brother, rather than as a competitor to go further in the tournament. He decided to check on his brother, and then he decided to perform some sort of move that we never will find out what it was. Ray Phoenix counters it into a roll-up. 1-3, Phoenix is victorious. It was a great match with great psychology. Unfortunate injury that I already said... It didn't allow Ray Phoenix to go further and fight against Kenny Omega next week on AEW Dynamite. But we had a logical explanation on uh, Dark or just on social media with Eddie Kingston saying that you are injured and you pulled off an incredible fight. But it's not about one fight. It's about winning a war and you won your fight. But now it's time for a family to win a war. So when Eddie Kingston will win the championship and when will Pentagon win the tournament, he will defend his title against his best friend. Unfortunately, Ray Phoenix wasn't so much so for this idea, but eh, I guess he will understand it down the line. Again, once I said, uh, unfortunate thing that has happened once again with Ray Phoenix, who's already suffered some injuries that nearly pull him off out of uh, or actually pull him off out of double or nothing because he got it like a week before two weeks before their casino chip uh battle royal whatever the name of this shit was like a money in the bank thing and a lot of people were disappointed because it was his opportunity to shine in this type of match with letters and high-risk maneuvers, but unfortunately, you know, he got injured and he needed to limit himself. Same happens now. Again, incredible opportunity. Fight against Kenny Omega. So we will not see Pentagon versus Kenny Omega rematch. We can save it on down the line, but we can have Ray Phoenix versus Kenny Omega. Doubtably, even more excited thing because we haven't seen this match in AEW yet. But, life is very, very fucking bitchy from time to time. And sometimes you need to go by their life's rules. And if you're injured, it's a precautionary measure for you to stay out of fighting. Even though he said later on that he felt fine. As reports are saying, he felt fine. But the doctor said he couldn't fight anymore. Well, it's unfortunate. But... We're gonna have Pentagon versus Kenny Omega next week, so I'm not against it by any fucking means. Then we had the last match of the tournament for this week. Hangman Page versus Cole Cabana. And 
I would assume that not a lot of people were very excited about this match because, yeah, Cole is a veteran and yeah, Hangman Page is fucking awesome, but nobody really wants to see this, right? But they turn it all around because it was a collision of styles of Hangman Page's badass moves and Cole Cabana's veteran mindset and his typical maneuvers. It was a hard-hitting match which I didn't really expect, I don't know what I expected from this match, but it really surpassed all of my expectations. With some great maneuvers for Hangman Page, but most surprisingly with Cole Cabana outsmarting Hangman Page from time to time and actually taking control of the match more than I ever expected him to do. And all of that escalated into the final segment, which was... Fucking brilliant, I don't know how many times I already praised this fucking show, and I may assume you're already fucking sick of this, but I would just say that the finishing to this match was great. With Cole Cabana escaping, or every single time turned to a smart uh, Hangman Adam Page and escape Backshot Lariat, he actually tried to perform his own finisher, got it. But couldn't pick up a victory. Then he decided to go for it again. Couldn't hit it. Then Hangman Page went for Buckshot Lariat again. Couldn't hit it once again. Some moves. Buckshot Lariat attempt once again. But wait! Hangman Page actually fakes it. Allowing Kokabana to think that, you know, he escaped Buckshot Lariat again. And then BOOM! Got knocked out by Buckshot Lariat. One, two, three. Hangman Page's victories. Even though I didn't say a lot about this match, I really thought it was great. It showed Colcabana in a more of a needing character of a character that needs this victory, and because of this, he needed to go for some out of character moves like the jump on the outside from the apron that you know he hit well, but as commentators said, it wasn't his typical self. It looked like he was desperate to prove himself to the Dark Order that he's actually not a loser. And for Hangman Page, it was a test of his mind and physical abilities because he got himself in a very hard-hitting match that not a lot of us expect this. After the match, Dark Order came out, and it seemed like they either gonna attack Hangman Page or Cold Cabana because, well, they were very unhappy with Cold lately, but instead they picked him up and went back with him. And it can made, you know, it can mean a couple of things, but in my opinion, it was to show Hangman Page that even though Dark Order didn't approve what Cole Cabana did since All Out, basically, after losing that uh, six-man tag. They're still there for him, even at his lowest of them all, after losing at the tournament. What about you, Hangman? You won, but there is no one there to celebrate with you. I think that's what this meant, and if it is, I love it. If it's not, it's still, I think, interesting to see how they're going to describe it.
but here it is. Everyone been waiting for this segment. Uh, I guess I need to say something about it as well, right? Even though what else can you say about this? Le Dinner de Bonheur. Chris Jericho and MJF met up for dinner for a steak. And at first I was like, what the fuck? It's not a restaurant, it's just some sort of a fucking backstage area. You're not even fucking trying, but then... Oh, then it all made sense. Because all of a sudden, it turned into a fucking musical. And uh, at first, I was like, what the fuck is going on? I, I, what? What? I just... I, I, I'm just not sure if I like it because I'm more of a serious guy, you know. I'm, I like the serious side of wrestling with hard-hitting and very groomed storylines. So now you're giving me a fucking musical. Are you joking me? But then, as it goes on and goes on, I have a smile on my face. I'm laughing. And I'm loving this. Yeah, it's cringy from time to time. Yeah, it's it's something that you can say kills wrestling. It's something that is not necessarily what you came uh, came for when it comes to AEW. But I can't lie. I truly enjoyed the segment. Even though, as I said, it was a little bit cringy. It was a little weird. And it wasn't what I expected. It fitted the characters of these two goofballs. It made me laugh. It made me smile. So I guess it made me talk about this even on my little podcast. And it made a lot of people talk about this. So it accomplished every single goal that they had. So I guess it was a good segment or at the very least an enjoyable one. That I truly enjoyed. Yeah, I, I guess th- th- that's it when it comes to this segment. Maybe I disappointed some of you who actually been waiting for me to talk about this segment and say how rubbish it was or how great it was, but I'm just gonna keep it short. I enjoyed it. And that's more than you need to say, you know? What more? What more do you need? Well, I'm gonna tell you what more do I need, and it's. Not Britt Baker versus Kelly King because it was like a four, three, five minute match. Uh, who gives a shit? It's a typical five minutes of women's division where you find out absolutely nothing about Hikaru Shida because she's not on the fucking show. You find you find absolutely nothing about the future of a title. You find only about Britt Baker and she's great. She was much more vicious in this match but... Let's be honest, nobody gives a shit. It's a fucking five minutes of women's division. And it's such a waste of my time. And it's such a waste of a women's division. I love AEW, but this shit, this shit needs to be sorted out. At least something. At least fucking use your champion. I know, mind-blowing, but it's everything you do... With your man's champion. And I know you might say, well, John Moxley wasn't on the show. And Cody was just in the promo segment saying that maybe they will have a special 
uh, condition for the next week's match against Orange Cassidy. And only tag team champions were there, but they were not even fighting. And yes, but it happened once every other single week. They either there fighting or at least somewhere near in a promos. Hikaru Shida, on the other hand, is nowhere near to be seen, and no one else near to be seen apart from Britt Baker. And I love Britt, but come on, it's not the whole fucking women's division. It's only one part. Very good part of women's division, but only one part. So, after this, we had something that I've been really proud of. We have the announcements for full year and for next week. And obviously, we're gonna have a TNT match, uh, TNT championship match against Cody versus Orange. Now it's a lumberjack match. And not a big fan of Lumberjacks. I guess it kind of makes sense to stop Dark Order, but at the same time, it's not because you put in Dark Order as a Lumberjack, so why the fuck? But whatever, sure. But the most thing that I was very proud of was announcement of Sammy Guevara versus Matt Hardy in an all elite deletion match. Who predicted it first? Bitches, it's me! I'm actually reading this and it made absolutely all sense in the world. It's going to be pre-taped at a hearty compound. It's going to be Sammy versus Mad in an old delicious match. And I'm fucking... Uh, come on. Give it to me. I, I deserve a little bit of credit. Because I didn't give up on this storyline because I thought it needs to have a final end. And a will, and it's the only logical thing of how it can end in a pre-taped all elite deletion match. Woohoo! I can be proud of myself, and I am. And then after all of this good stuff in uh, women's division, we had our main event: Vader four-way tag team match between Bucks, Private Party, Silver and Reynolds, and Butcher and the Blade. It was chaotic i i enjoyed it i guess even though a lot of times i struggled to feel intrigued because we all expected one winner and i'm not a fan of the fact that ftr versus young bucks is happening just because of one fucking lottery happened and now they are there even though you have fucking rankings like Use them. You used rankings properly in John Moxley's storyline. He beated everyone in top 5, 6 of um, AEW rankings. And he demanded Eddie Kingston to fight against him for the world title. Here, instead of using the rankings that I can say you have, you use a fucking lottery. Uh, I'm really disappointed with the, with the previous week's segment and with the fact of completely forgetting about the rankings. I'm pretty sure I didn't rant about this last week, so I'm doing it right now. Uh, but overall, it was a good chaotic match that had some intentions of bringing some intensity into it by making... Young Bucks running around and trying to stop Pinfo from every single team because they were not illegal persons. 
but the best thing of this match was once again Silva and Reynolds. Their fucking comeback, you know, the hot tag that they have is fucking incredible with stunner and suplex and just fast-paced punches. And I really hope that they will win or when the match just started, I hope it, it's going to be Butcher and the Blade because yeah, it's a heel versus heel dynamic, but at least it will give some time to Bucks to for more the characters, their badass bad guys character and allow them to make their match a revolution one year after they had doubtably the best acting match ever trying you know overdo this on the next revolution paper you bet it didn't happen box one and uh after the match cash wheeler and dax howard attack young box well actually they gave, wanted to give them the beer but box refused and the mr man attacked them from behind and i was like it's sean spears it's gotta be Sean Spears, Four Horsemen, all this bullshit. But he's not as muscular. Who the fuck is that? It's... It's... It's Tyler Blanchard. I wasn't disappointed, but it really surprised me that he can still pull off those moves, seemingly, you know, the pile driver from a top rope and uh, punches with a chair and a jump on a chair. It was... It was good, you know. Tally looks in a great form. He walks around very... With such ease. And I really thought there was, you know, 20, 30-year-old wrestler. But instead, it was a 60-year-old jacked old man. And uh, you know what? All credits go to him. But overall... It wasn't such a good match in a way that it was so chaotic that you would most of the time forget what the fuck is happening and right now i'm trying to remember some cool spots that happened in this match and i know they did for example uh Rennes silver comeback once again as i said or just silver's lonely comeback where he absolutely destroyed everyone on the outside and inside the ring it was fucking incredible, but that's about it. Everything else is just a mess in my head because I'm trying to remember something and I remember this move, that move, that, that this, 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 but nothing is in any structure. Nothing really makes sense. And overall, I enjoyed this chaos, but not as much as I should have. It was like, eh, alright, maybe it was too much for me, maybe I didn't enjoy this match overall, but no, I enjoyed it, but just not as much as I should have, to really say that it was a good match. It was, it was fine, too chaotic for most of the audience, I would assume, but fine nevertheless. And overall, we had a show that in my opinion was better than the one year anniversary or 30 years of Jericho shows. And those were special editions one. And this one just was 
the beginning of the tournament. So, yeah, I don't think I have anything more to say apart from next week's, well, next day's Dynamite will come out as soon as I possibly can. And, uh, yeah, I guess this is it and hear you soon, guys.